We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With that, Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do this. I'm right on time, baby. <laughs> All right. Coming in smoking. I tried to play a soundbite earlier, and it was too short. So hopefully these sound bites that I have that I'm about to play are not too short. We're going to start off with Steve Angeli. He's going to make his first career start, of course, in the Sun Bowl. He spoke with the media after practice today. He was asked about quarterbacks and the transfer portal. And what he might be thinking and here is what steve angeli had to say uh, yeah it's kind of a crazy world but you know i chose notre dame for the place and i chose it for the people so that's kind of at my heart of hearts what i believe in and that's kind of what keeps me grounded and staying in the moment all right so there is the initial answer staying grounded staying in the moment okay everything sounds good and then he was asked could that potentially change in the future uh, you know, my biggest thing is just staying in the moment, and I think I'll worry about that when that comes. Stay in the moment, Jess. So what do you think when you hear all that from Steve Angeli? Uh, when I hear that, I think that Steve Angeli is primarily focused on one thing at hand, and that's the bowl game. I don't think he cares about anything that has led up to this point, anything that's going to come after this point. All he's cared about is what he's going to do with his opportunity because he's going to be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame in a bowl game. Like that's got to be a lifelong dream, right? Like to be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, that, that that has to be, you know, what his overall goal was. And now he gets to do it in arguably the biggest game of the season and hope, you know, ho hopefully help Notre Dame get to their 10th win on the year. And so I, I like it because again, it feels like, like he's been saying he's very grounded in the moment and he'll let everything else kind of take care of itself afterwards. Yeah, and I mean, really, he can't afford to to have his mind in another place right now because even if he is planning on leaving, like, this is a big opportunity for him in the Sun Bowl. This is a chance at, at a very minimum, you know, two different things that are, that are like the same but separate at the same time. He has a chance to make a, a real impression on his coaching staff, Marcus Freeman and his quarterback's coach, since he doesn't have a full-time offensive coordinator with him right now. But he's got a chance to make a big impression on them in terms of this is what I can be. You know, this is why I deserve my shot at being the quarterback here at Notre Dame. And 
next to that, it's a chance to put that on film for other people to see, you know, regardless of you know, what ends up happening in his future. But he was, you know, it's not like he was going to come out and say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to jump two feet into the transfer portal. Said the right things. And now he's just got to focus on the Sun Bowl, which is just a little bit more than a week away at this point, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Actually. Yes. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Jared Parker is a head coach before Tommy Reese. It is not surprising that Jared really? Parker is a head coach because, and I'm going to, I'm going to put it in a way that, that I, I'm going to explain it in a way that's not surprising because I don't think Tommy Reese wants to be a head coach at the college level. And so I think they have dis different aspirations. And so to me, it's not surprising, I guess, yeah, so like I'm, I was surprised that Jared Parker took the head coaching position that caught me off guard. But if you were to ask me who do you who do you think would have become a, head, a college head coach first, Jared Parker or Tommy Reese? I would tell you Jared Parker, just because I don't think that's what Tommy Reese's aspirations are. See, I would have thought. Now, did you specify college? College yes, head coach. College. College. Okay. Head coach. Okay. I can see that because you know, again, it's like. Tommy Reese probably could. I think he's already had his own opportunities and he yeah, said no. Exactly. Like his name came up when the Indiana job came open this year. There was no way that I ever saw Tommy Reese leaving Alabama or even, you know, like if he was still at Notre Dame, leaving Notre Dame to go become the head coach at a place like Indiana. I think at a, at a very minimum, he's going to go, like if he were going to become a college head coach, I just don't see him, you know, what? Specifically, I don't see him starting in the group of five like Jerry Parker <laughs> is starting, right. right? Like at the at a very minimum, I think it would have been, I don't even know, do we even call it a power five conference now? Is it power four? Like, I don't know what we're even calling this thing anymore. But like that at a very minimum, it was going to be there. I never could have seen him going to Indiana. I think you're right. I think he has his sights set bigger on the NFL. Like it's funny hearing Steve Angeli saying what he said because a couple of off seasons ago when we got had a chance to talk to Tommy Reese. And I think it was right after it might have been, you know, when uh when Marcus Freeman was named head coach and we got a chance to talk to him. I asked him, you know, do you want to be an an NFL coordinator? And you know, he he went with the basically what Steve Angeli said, you know, my feet are grounded. I am where my feet are. I'm right here. I'm in the moment. All those different kind of things. I think that ultimately he wants to be in the NFL and being I mean, just look at, at at what being the offensive coordinator at Alabama has done for everybody else before him. You know, like those guys have all had – most of them have had NFL opportunities. I guess like even Sarkeesian. Yeah, he had an NFL opportunity, you know, and now he's a head coach, obviously, at Texas. So I think that – I agree. I think that that's what Tommy Reese wants to do, but at the same time, I do think it's a little, you know, it's it's a little interesting that that because of sort of, you know, the kind of things that we were saying about Tommy Reese even a year ago, that Jared Parker ends up being the head coach first because he'd only been a coordinator for one year. And like yet all these people, you know, with a lot bigger conversations about Tommy than Jared before uh, before this all came up just yesterday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Factor has been a great friend of the Driscoll household this month. Not only are we super busy with work and everything going on with Notre Dame football, we're also dealing with a house remodel. And even thinking about cooking stresses me out, which is why I'm so thankful we found Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals that can be on your plate in minutes. It has literally saved me hours of prep, cooking, and cleaning time during an incredibly busy season for us. And their fresh but and never frozen meals got delivered right to my doorstep, which also saved me plenty of shopping time. On top of that, the flavor is outstanding. Whether it's the chicken taco bowl I had for dinner last night, or my personal favorite so far, which is a filet over a mushroom risotto, I'm eating healthy meals, but not sacrificing flavor. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holiday. You can choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals that also support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, keto, protein plus, and more. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off today. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off, definitely give it a try. We did, and we love it. So former Notre Dame and current LSU offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock could be in the mix to come back to Notre Dame. I've seen some of the jabronis debating his candidacy on the old X platform, and there's this sentiment that Denbrock is not a great fit for Notre Dame, and he's only currently (laughs) writing the reputation of Jaden Daniels' Heisman Trophy season. Do you buy or sell that as an argument against Mike Denbrock? I would currently um, sell that as an argument against Mike Denbrock. And, you know, I didn't realize the kind of interconnected uh, weave that Mike Denbrock has because he started out at Grand Valley State, and that's, you know, where Brian Kelly started. And then... He was at Notre Dame, bounced around to a couple places, came back to Notre Dame until 2016. And then 2017, he goes to Cincinnati. And that's, you know, where he meets Marcus Freeman. And then after Cincinnati, he goes down to LSU back again with Brian Kelly. So him, like like the, the interweave of kind of meeting Marcus Freeman before Marcus Freeman was head coach at Notre Dame and also being at Notre Dame and, you know, with Brian Kelly, it's just like, this deep web 
that kind of goes back. But listen, I think Mike Denbrock has a tremendous amount of experience. Um, I, I can't say I personally know a ton about him in, in terms of offensive coordinator. Like I haven't, I haven't um, watched like the, the LSU team this much this year, but I think that there is a lot of talent on that LSU team. I think it helps that he has a Heisman quarterback, but I don't buy that, you know, he's only good for those reasons. What had Jaden Daniels done before he started working with Mike Denbrock? Right. Like he got run out of Arizona. Yes. Like, he had 10 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions in his last season at Arizona State. He gets to LSU at the same time Mike Denbrock got to LSU. Like, are we only crediting Brian Kelly with, with the Jaden Daniels success? <laughs> These two, Jaden Daniels, again, like Jaden Daniels had done nothing. He was a cast off from Arizona State. He goes to work with Mike Denbrock. And in his second season there, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. To me, that is nothing but good on Mike Denbrock. And then look at Cincinnati. Who was the offensive coordinator when Cincinnati became the only group of five team right. to make it to the college football playoff? Mike Denbrock. Mike Denbrock. <laughs> you know, so my only thing with Mike Denbrock is, is he going to be financially like is it going to be too steep a price to <laughs> right. pay? Now, reportedly, you know, because like we were talking yesterday, I didn't think it was realistic at all because of the new contract extension that he got there at, at LSU and all these different things. How much is the relationship with Brian Kelly come into play? Because as you said, their relationship goes all the way back to Grand Valley State. Like they coached together <laughs> there. They were, you know, they've, they've been together for a long time. They are very good friends and they, you know, they're back there at LSU and, and apparently he likes it there, you know? So like how much is that going to weigh into it? But, you know, again, even bigger picture, the buyout to get Mike Denbrock seemed to be yesterday when we were talking about it, it seemed to be, a, you know, a big, a big hurdle for Notre Dame to have to clear reportedly though, he has not actually signed that extension yet, which kind of, that throws a you know a little bit different wrinkle into this whole thing. It makes things interesting. So, I, I guess the bottom line is maybe it's not as unrealistic as it seemed yesterday. Again, because of that you know potential buyout that Notre Dame would have to pay after all the things you know that they went through last year with with Ludwig and all that stuff. But to the to the original question, I just like. Jaden Daniels is only a good thing. It is only a huge feather in Mike Denbrock's cap because Mike Denbrock made Jaden Daniels just as much, if not more so, than Jaden Daniels made Mike Denbrock. There was no Jaden Daniels anyone right. was talking about two years ago before he started working with Mike Denbrock at LSU. Yeah, so. I mean, Jaden Daniels is only a thing because of his time at LSU, and that's a direct correlation to Mike Denbrock. There was no guarantee that Daniels was going to be good. He had to be kind of molded into, you know, what he is now. Fill in the blank. The hiring of the next offensive coordinator means blank for Marcus Freeman. Um, the hiring of the next offensive coordinator means everything for Marcus Freeman. I think it is a huge statement year. You're now in year three. Those expectations continue to tick up. You have an expanded playoff. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that, 
And especially with last year being, you know, in my opinion, Notre Dame having a defense that was definitely, you know, playoff worthy. And, and you could probably even maybe make the argument national championship worthy. Um, and so the offense was the side of the ball that kind of, in my opinion, let the team down. Right. And so you're going into year three expanded playoffs. The, the expectation is to make the playoffs. You're going to have a lot of people coming back on defense. You're going to have your defensive coordinator coming back. Um, I think that you have to you have to hit a home run on this offensive coordinator because it's going to be that missing piece of the puzzle. And it's going to be what you know determines how successful Marcus Freeman is in year three. Yeah, very important, you know, at different levels, as people are saying in the chat. Look, this is this is career defining, is what it is. This is this is third offensive coordinator in as many seasons mm-hmm. for Marcus Freeman. They did, you know, whatever degree you want to call success for Jared Parker this year. Look, there were things that you could obviously nitpick with how things went offensively. This is year three for Marcus Freeman. Even if he had Jared Parker by his side still, this was going to be, you know, make or break might be a little bit much. But look, let's let's just face it. Marcus Freeman has used up all the free passes I think that he's going to get to this point. And he has to nail this higher because, like, look at, at where he's gone. He's had to hire a new offensive line coach. He has had to hire a new wide receivers coach. He brought in the defensive line coach. He brought in the defensive coordinator on and on and on you know where this staff is right now it is mostly his hires and now to different degrees they have all actually they have mostly I I won't say all they have mostly turned out pretty well but what was the biggest question the offense he has got to nail this now there are no excuses for this because going into year three you're going to have an expanded playoff you've got a favorable Mm -hmm. schedule next year you cannot afford for the offense to be what holds you back next year. With a championship caliber defense and almost everybody on that defense coming back, plus now you're going to insert some of the young talent that you've been recruiting, he's got to nail this 100%. There can be no doubt with this hire. It is. It has got to be – and I'm not saying you've got to win the headlines and all that stuff, but – when it comes down to it, producing on the field, it has got to end up being a home run type hire. There can be no mistakes made with this one. Yes. So we've got a couple before we move on and talk about some of the other stuff. We do have uh, some different things. Wicked Broncos Productions. Thank you for the super chat. He said if he had his picket offensive coordinator, it would definitely be the Missouri offensive coordinator. And he is talking about Kirby Moore. He is young and is a feisty recruiter, which fits Freeman. And he made Brady Cook and that Mizzou offense electric and landed five stars. Um, did you know that Kirby Moore was Kellen Moore's brother, by the no, way? No, I did not know that. He is. This is something that I just that I mean, explained some things. Yes. I mean, I don't think a lot of us knew a whole lot about Kirby Moore before yesterday. I mean, obviously, if you followed Missouri closely, you did, you know, but um, I mean, there are a lot of good things to like about Kirby Moore. And I don't I don't think that it's necessarily just Kirby Moore who's bringing in those five stars. I think Eli Drinkwitz, like that is something you know, similar to Marcus Freeman. Drinkwitz, like, he can he can recruit and obviously his staff is recruit can recruit. So I think that that is a, you know, a really good thing 
as well. And, you know, I think we've got to kind of continue to, to, you know, to look at him a little bit more, but as of right now, these are the, the, the two primary names, you know, I know that there are a lot of throwing, you know, darts at the bulletin board and, you know, different guys coming up with their lists of who they'd want to hire and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there is no doubt that when you look at the Missouri offense and what they were able to do, especially when you consider it's Missouri and it's the SEC, the kind of teams they beat, you know, and and what the what that offense was able to do, it's very impressive. There's <laughs> no doubt a about Juco that. transfer running back into one of the best running backs in the country. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm not ready to definitively you know, make a make a decision that he is necessarily the guy right now because as Wicked Bronco says, what Moore did at Mizzou is more impressive than when, what Dembrock did at LSU. I mean, I think you can kind of debate that. I mean, I guess you can say that LSU, you know, had more talent and whatever else. But again, they took Jaden Daniels from a nobody two years ago and turned him into a guy who threw for over 3,800 yards and ran for over 1,000 yards and accounted for 50 touchdowns in a season in the same conference Missouri was in. You know, so I don't I don't know. Like, which one is more impressive? It's, it's probably kind of dependent on, you know, who you probably have already determined you want the guy to be. But I think... Like if, if those are the top two guys right now, I think they're both very good candidates. Yeah. And so <clears throat> when I think about Kirby Moore um, and knowing that, you know, his brother is Kellen Moore, I would have to assume that they have very similar kind of ideologies or way that they think about things in terms of football. Um, and, and I would say what what Kirby Moore could potentially be is, is a lot like Tommy Reese, to be honest with you. I think a guy who can be very innovative uh, very, I guess the word might say is like futuristic, kind of always coming up with, you know, new schemes and, and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't know that those two were brothers and he was actually a wide receiver and Kellen was a quarterback. So they played together at Boise state right at the same time, which is kind of crazy too. So yeah, again, I don't know too much about Kirby Moore, but he reminds me again, a lot of Kellen Moore, Tommy Reese, kind of, you know, those type of offensive coordinators. I mean, when you think about it, I've always thought that there are a lot of similarities between Kellen Moore and Tommy Reese. Yes. I mean, they kind of both follow the same path. They're both still very young, still kind of, you know, both very good offensive minds. It's why they got the jobs that they've got to begin with. Um, but both still kind of also sort of learning as they go. They both moved on, you know, in, in uh, the same off season, David Carpenter, another Cowboys fan says if Kirby gets the offensive coordinator job, who wins a championship first, Kellen or Kirby? Well, <laughs> as of right now, Kellen's job security is uh, not in very good place because they just fired the head coach out there with the Chargers. So he doesn't even know where he's going to be next year, let alone, uh, you know, how close to a championship if he is. So I'm going with Kirby on this one. I'll just go Kerbo. Kerbo. No disagreement there? No disagreement. Iris Steele says, what about the fact that Freeman can stick it to Kelly by getting Denbrock priceless in his opinion? I mean, that is very true, but you've got to look at the other side of this. And I was thinking about this earlier today. If you're Brian Kelly, who wanted to take Tommy Reese with him down to LSU, but Tommy stayed at Notre Dame instead with Marcus Freeman. So now if you're Brian Kelly, 
and you've got Mike Dembrock who becomes this hot commodity. Like, aren't you probably doubling, uh, doubling, even tripling down, trying to make sure that you that that Mike Dembrock doesn't end up back at Notre Dame? I think that he would be he would kind of be pulling on that that rope pretty hard to make sure that Mike stays, don't you? Yeah, I think he'd start playing that game just a little bit. Yeah, I think, and let's let's not forget, and I'm not saying that Notre Dame doesn't have resources. It's a matter of how they choose to use their resources. LSU's got a lot of resources to try to keep Mike Denbrock around. They've already shown that they were willing to do it once. I do find it curious, though, that at least a couple weeks after that extension, that uh, reportedly Mike Denbrock has not signed that contract extension Mm -hmm. yet. So, again, that does kind of change things a little bit. So. So you may have seen this video clip of UCLA head coach Chip Kelly in the last few days talking about what he would change about college football. If you haven't seen it, well, here you go. Is the the biggest issue that you might have right now, whether it be realignment, NIL, transfer portal, and what would your, your plan maybe be to, to try to solve it? I think they're all a problem, and I think we need to have a conference commissioner. And I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball. But because football left, and they say, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football, and they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the Power Five, and you can have a 64-team conference in the Group of Five, and we separate it, and we play each other. You can have the West Coast teams, and then every year we play seven games against the West Coast teams, and then we play the East. So we play Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia. Then the next year you play against the South while you still play your seven teams. You can play a seven-game schedule. You can play four against another conference, another division opponent, and you can always play against one Mountain West team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going. Not that I've really thought about this. <laughs> Not that I've a lot of spent time on this. But I think if you went together collectively as a group, and so there's 132 teams, and we all share in the same ter- we all share the same TV contract, so that the Mountain West doesn't have one, and the Sun Belt doesn't have another, and SEC has one, and they have another. That we all go together. That's a lot of games, and there's a lot of people in the TV world that would go through it. You can sponsor each one instead of calling it Group of Five and Power Five. You can call it Amazon, Nike, bid that out to things. You know, a lot of different things. But I think if we still do the same thing and take all that money, and I would do this, and I think this needs to be done. That money now needs to be shared with the student athletes and there needs to be revenue sharing and the players should get paid and you can get rid of NLI and the school should be paying the players because the players are what the product is. And the fact that they don't get paid is really the biggest travesty. Not that I've thought about it. <laughs> All right. So that's UCLA head coach Chip Kelly. And I'm going to get to this in just a second, but we have dun, 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 breaking news. Notre Dame has just officially announced Lauren Landau as its new, I want to get the title correct, Director of Football Performance. So we'll get to Lauren Landau here in a minute. While the Chip Kelly stuff is fresh in our mind, though, let's talk about that after that long soundbite that we just played from Chip Kelly. So, Jess, anything you disagree with, anything you strongly agree with what did you think of what you just heard from uh chip kelly there yeah i honestly don't have a lot that i disagree with because essentially what he's saying is you know football should just become independent 
because they generate enough revenue that they can travel across the country, do these games in a two-day span, and be able to come back, right? And and I, and then I think you know when he's talking about for these other sports, softball, basketball, baseball, like those kind of not as much revenue generating. They don't have the you know the expenses. They don't have the time to travel across the country quite like football does. And so I think it completely makes sense because if you're uh, you know your own kind of group of sixty-four you can you can do you can schedule in a way like he's saying where you can play a, a variety of teams every year <clears throat> excuse me mute button <laughs> and, and still be able you know to to accomplish what you want and so i don't i don't disagree a whole lot with what chip kelly is saying no i mean I, the biggest thing that i agree with is football should be separate from all these other sports at their schools and now you know like whether or not it's feasible to what degree that is though yeah like he's absolutely right about when it comes to this conference realignment it's about football and it's about the tv money that the football programs are making all these these schools can still get the you know the football tv money regardless of what their olympic sports are doing you know whether you know like whether the baseball and the softball team have to travel cross country from west coast to east coast to play a, you know a conference game in the middle of a series or whatever in the middle of a week you know they there, there's there's no reason that that needs to happen those should be kept regional and the football should at the very least be separate whether or not you're you know redoing this and repooling it i mean it obviously makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of people that think that that's the way college football is going you know that that um you know that 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 ultimately the power five is going to break off kind of the way that he's talking about and then you know you just kind of have regionalized pods and stuff like that which are basically what just conferences right exactly if it ends up like that because that's really all he's describing our conferences and I th- see people talking about ESPN. This just this isn't just about ESPN because remember, Fox is a huge part of that Big Ten TV contract, and NBC is also at least a part of that Big Ten TV contract. And you know, CBS is a part of that Big Ten TV contract. So there's all these network throw networks throwing different levels of money around. It's not just ESPN, it is all these others as well you know they're 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 just as culpable in all this so i mean i agree with 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 the majority of what he's saying i just don't think that it's going to happen anytime in the near future because they've already signed all these tv contracts and now you know getting you know you're you're essentially going to be asking the big 10 and the sec to give up their bigger revenue and share it with all these other schools and i just i don't I don't see that happening. Sure, everyone could have a, a cut of the pie, but I don't think it's going to happen. But, the you know, the other side of this is, you know, because he mentioned Notre Dame. It's like Notre Dame is independent. He said everybody should be independent. So now, you know, you've got years and years and years. You've got everybody talking about Notre Dame needs to join a conference. And you've got Chip Kelly basically saying everyone just needs to do what Notre Dame is doing. <laughs> you know, but again, not everyone's going to be as in demand as Notre Dame. Right. To make that happen. And that's the issue. That's right. That's right. So in the meantime, Notre Dame did just announce 
that Lauren Landau is the new director of football performance. And I will read you part of the release. This is a quote from Marcus Freeman. When we sat down to evaluate what exactly we wanted from this role, we identified several characteristics as being critical to the success of the position. We need someone who can reinforce the vision of the head coach and uphold the standards in discipline that it takes to create a championship environment. We need someone who has a background in group training, yet the expertise to individualize training to meet specific individuals' needs and goals. So group training, but also he wants to be able to individualize stuff. We need someone who can enhance our approach in regards to power, explosion, and speed development, end quote. So Landau was with the Denver Broncos as their strength coach from 2018 to 2022. And uh, he built his reputation on individual training of professional athletes in multiple sports. There were a number of high profile and current uh, and former NFL players who are also clients of Landau. They include Vaughn Miller, Christian McCaffrey, Peyton Manning, former Notre Dame and Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, Ryan Harris has also worked with him. So I just, it, strength strength coaches, Jesse, it is just so much different than an offensive coordinator or even an offensive line coach or a defensive line coach or whatever it happens to be. They have obviously evaluated this guy and talked to this guy. And it sounds like when you talk about old school versus new school, which seemed to be the divide between you know Marcus Freeman and Matt Bayless, it sounds like Lauren Landau's philosophies more match up with Marcus Freeman. So what do you think of all this? Yeah, a lot to digest there. Um, <laughs> you think? I would say, you know, on a surface level, because again, I don't, I haven't, I didn't even know that this guy was going to be the guy or this is who they were looking at until like two days ago, maybe three days ago. But the thing that sticks out the most to me is that he's got professional NFL experience. And I think that is, to me, like the thing that shines the most when looking at his resume. And then you start looking at, you know, some of the players that you mentioned that he's worked with. And it's like when you when you talk about Christian McCaffrey, I mean, we're talking about one of the most explosive, dynamic, you know, multi elite, elite yeah. multi talented positional guys out there. And so when you combine those things on paper, it sounds really great to me. Right. And, and if he's gone through, you know, all of this kind of, you know, vetting and, and interviews and conversations with Marcus Freeman, then I think so as well that it, it it's it's just got to be a good solid choice but to me like if he had not had the nfl experience might be questioning it a little bit more but i like the concept of team and individual so i think everyone is different in terms of what they need in order you know for preparation training etc lauren hamilton fair point he got canned from his last job let's not forget virtually every coach gets fired at some point like it's true you know and uh, most of them end up getting new jobs someplace. Bill Belichick was fired once as well by the Cleveland Browns and it 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 ended up working out pretty well for him in the long run. Pete Carroll was fired a couple of times, ended up working out for Pete pretty well in the long run. You know, again like the reason he was fired apparently is from from what I understand there were like some soft tissue type things 
going on. Uh, there was also a coaching change made last year. So let's not forget that. That's you know, true. Like, like, you know, they went from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton. And, you know, again, Marcus Freeman wants, as he said in this statement, Marcus Freeman wants someone who shares the same vision and kind of has, you know, the same philosophies that, that he's looking for. And maybe that was different than what Sean Payton had. I don't know specifically if Sean, you know, decided that he wanted to bring in his own guy. Um, but, you know, again, like the injury history apparently is is one of the things that was talked about with Lauren Landau as a reason. But there was this, you know, someone tagged us on this podcast yesterday and a guy, you know, who was hosting the podcast has apparently talked to a lot of former Broncos players and, and you know, not just Broncos players, but other NFL guys that uh, Landau has worked with. And they all spoke very highly of him, praised him, said that they would work with him, you know, all that different stuff. Um, Ryan Harris, I know Brian Driscoll has talked to Ryan Harris, again, former Denver Bronco, and Ryan Harris speaks highly of Lauren Landau. And I know Brian is working on getting Ryan on, you know, to try to, you know, get him on the show and, and talk more specifically about that. So I just, you know, again, like, what do any of us really know about what goes on with the strength coach other than there's, you know, <laughs> there's weightlifting, there's conditioning, you know, there's agility, you know, there's all this different stuff that, that goes on. And really no one, no one ever really starts talking bad about the strength coach until you get a couple hamstring pulls or, you know, you get a couple quad pulls or something like that, or you get late in the season in November and guys, you know, a, a, like are fatiguing in the fourth quarter and those kind of things. So, I mean, the guy has worked, the guy's worked in the NFL and he's been vetted by the head coach. So, you know, I just, I don't know what else that you can really say at this point. Same. Okay. <laughs> um, fill in the blank. Cal McCord transferring to Ohio state or to, to Syracuse from Ohio state is blank is uh head scratching, right? Because, you know, I, I understand to me, the only reason Kyle McCord was a quarterback at Ohio state this year. is I think he had the best relationship with the best player on all on their offense. And that's Marvin Harrison jr. They were, you know, they were teammates in high school. They were teammates again in Ohio state. Obviously McCord has a long experience of throwing balls to, to Marvin Harrison jr. So I think personally they stuck it out with him because they felt like that connection was the best thing for the offense, right? But I don't the, the head scratching part to me is why Syracuse of all places? Because I don't didn't um what, what is it the best? Yeah, DeVito, isn't he the, the the best quarterback to come out of Syracuse recently? And aren't they also going through a head coaching tr transition they as are. well? So it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of stability. So I didn't expect him to go to Syracuse, and that's the part that's head scratching for me. Yeah, I mean especially to go from Ohio state to Syracuse. Now he was, he was going to go to Nebraska, but Dylan Rayola is at Nebraska. And that appears to have, you know, made, you know, had some, uh, had some influence potentially on this decision. But again, it's like, it feels like there are a lot of different programs that a guy who has lost one game in his college career, you know, could go to other than Syracuse, you know, like it, it's, it's not like, 
you know, even even if maybe there was some sort of mutual decision at Ohio State to go someplace else, it, it would seem like there would have been, you know, some uh, some higher higher stature, higher profile programs in line for his services than Syracuse. So I don't know if they just put together a great NIL package or what, <laughs> but it completely shocks me as well to hear that McCord is is uh, going to be orange next year. Fill in the blank. It's blank that after Dylan Rayola flipped from Georgia to Nebraska, the top 10 recruits in the current 2024 signing class are all set to go to 10 different schools. It's electric, right? Because who wants to see all the good players continue to stack up at the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons of the world? And I think we have the portal and the NIL to thank, to be quite honest with you, because if there's a better situation and there's more money on the line, guys aren't all going to go to the same spot and sit around, right? Everyone wants to play now. Everyone believes they have the talent to play now. And so I love it because it, to me, it is like um, an equal distribution amongst the college football playing field, right? Not every, and, and so I think it makes it genuinely harder or to me more impressive uh, of how good of a head coach you are because like, I get it. Saban's a great coach. He's he's built up the empire. But I want to see Saban coach when he's got to go against all the other teams that have five-star and four-star recruits at this point. And so I think it's electric because it balances out the playing field. That's – I don't think NIL is the only thing at play here because, like, you know, in Rayola's case specifically, just to use him, his dad did go to Nebraska, so you, you at least have the connection there. But he was set to go to Georgia, and he's not going to go. To Georgia now and we know what Georgia has been the last few years and you know obviously the last couple of years with national championships I do think NIL is playing a you know a big part in this you know again not the only part but I do think it is playing a big part and this is something that I you know kind of thought would happen with the advent of NIL that it would start to 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 basically do this, that not everybody was going to be going to Georgia and Alabama, and it would start to spread these guys out because, you know, there's there's essentially only so much cash, I think, that, that every school, even the elite ones, can come up with. And, you know, there's a reason that Nick Saban was kicking and screaming about NIL just a little bit more than right. a year ago, because now it's going He's to take work some Yeah, he can't stockpile all the talent now, and it's going to spread it out. And... I think it's going to be better for college football right. as a whole. And I think like specifically as we sit here and talk about Notre Dame, I think it's going to help out Notre Dame as well as they continue to try to get back into that national championship type playing field. I think it's going to be good for them. And especially when you start to look at what they've been able to do with the transfer portal and some other stuff and what they've been able to do with NIL, I think it's going to help Notre Dame. I think it's going to be good for them. This is the best time of the year. It's bowl season and Christmas is right around the corner. So whether you're looking for tickets to the Sun Bowl to watch Notre Dame take on Oregon State or looking for tickets to a Christmas concert or comedy show or just looking for a great last-minute gift, game time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, 
baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. There's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. So, Jess, the Tennessee Titans wore their throwback Houston Oilers uniforms while hosting the Houston Texas Texans on Sunday. Rate that move on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> uh, for me personally, it's a 10 out of 10 because the jerseys are a 10 and the pettiness is on a 10 because you're basically saying that we're the better Houston team. You're not the respected Houston team and we're not even in Houston anymore. <laughs> and so, I, again, I think it's a 10 out of 10 because they're one of my favorite uniforms. Um, and again, the, the pettiness was right on scale. I, I completely agree. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, though. It would have been a 10 out of 10, but they lost. Yeah, had, had they, they actually won. won. <laughs> had they actually and they blew the it, game, too. That's right. It would have been a complete 10 out of 10. But those are baller uniforms, man. Those are awesome uniforms. And they even had, like, Oilers in the mm-hmm. end zone there in Tennessee. Personally, you know, they, I don't think that they can put the uh, the oil derricks on their helmet there in uh, in Tennessee. But personally, like <laughs> everything else, I think – I think the Titans need to go back to that specific color uh, scheme because it Same. looks so much better than anything they've had since they've been in Tennessee. They remind me of the old Miss uniforms that I love; those powder blues with the with the red and white. I just think it's a really good, um, co- like uh, uh, combination of of colors. Yeah, it looks. It is really sharp. <laughs> John it's a good with looking the uniform. John says, I got mixed up. I thought the Texans were wearing the Oilers uniform. No, it was the Titans who were wearing the Oilers uniform. So John thought it was a 10. So I guess he's going to give it a zero now. TD4ND, you don't know me. 
Like, I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> Sounds like we're getting close to a Dallas discussion, he says. He's like, he knows where this is going. We've drifted into the NFL talk toward the end of the show. So uh, Uh-oh. he's feeling it right now. Scale of 1 to 10, rate Julian Love's final interception to seal the Seahawks win over Philadelphia last night. That also was a 10 out of 10. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, it sealed the deal against those dirty bird, you know, Eagles. But it's it just the I, like if you watch the game and you saw the, the replay at the end, I mean, he barely got those toes down and he was right across the sideline. And I think I saw the stat that he had to cover like 25 yards in a span of like, you know, just over two seconds. And the catch rate was, you know, 10 percent or lower. And so it was to me, it felt like a very Kyle Hamilton type play, if we're being honest. You know, that like that interception he made against, uh, what was it, Louisville to start the season where, where he was all he came all the way across to the sideline. That's that's what it reminded me of. And again, he barely got like I'm not kidding. You, I think he got his toe down by like this much. I know. And so like it, it barely never really played a grass. They never really zoomed in on it, you know, exactly where that toe was. But I mean, it just barely. And I think touched. it made it even sweeter that it was a second one of the game and like second of at least like the fourth quarter. Because I think Hurts threw that other one at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Right. I'm so much like I rated a 10. It was it was phenomenal. And like you said, it, it was really kind of a Kyle Hamilton type play. And obviously Julian Love is nowhere nearly as big as Kyle Hamilton and, you know, kind of makes you go like, oh, yeah, he he what what might that co- college football playoff game have looked like if Julian Love had been able to play out there <laughs> the whole game? But, um, yeah, it was it was incredible. And, you know, the only the only thing that I will say since TD4ND accused <laughs> accused us of, you know, wanting to drift into Dallas talk is it helps out a certain team you know, in Dallas, Texas, by knocking off Philadelphia. Three straight losses now, baby. Three straight losses. (laughs) Even Brent and, you know, the 49ers fan Brent has to be loving that because all the Niners have to do now is win two of their last three games and they've got home field advantage in the playoffs. So huge play. And I, by the way, did you stay up and watch the the on-field interview that Lisa Salters did with Drew Locke? The yeah, he was about to cry. It was a really good interview by her, I think. You know, and like that—that like, that moment has been accumulating for Drew Locke for four or five seasons now, and he didn't even know. I don't even think he knew he was going to play all week. Obviously, he had to prepare like he was going to play, but then it, it, it's always felt like he's like just he found out just before the game, yeah. right? And in, in his in his NFL career, it just felt like he's continuously, you know, kind of come up short, come up short, come up short. And I mean, when I say that man threw a dime ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba, that's exactly what he did. He probably threw the best pass of his entire career to win that game. And I just think it was just that moment where everything just kind of all those emotions come flooding in. And you finally have that, that, you know, that the, 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 what's the, the correct word that like the exhilarance of winning. The two best balls that he threw all night were that one, and there was another deep ball to DK Metcalf. That, yeah, they went know, up both, and got. Yeah, I mean, both receivers made spectacular catches, but the throws that he made, like his short stuff was not that great. You know, no. it was looking like, oh, this might end here pretty quickly. But those two deep balls, man, they were, they were, they were. And it was when they throws. needed it, right? Like it was, yep. it was just tremendous. Yeah. I always love watching the Eagles lose. So this three game skid is, is doing me well. It was nice. 
nice. <laughs> I'd like to go to a game in Seattle sometime. I was thinking that too. Like I would like to go to a game in Seattle. I only got to walk around the stadium, but I never have been like into it, obviously, when a game is going on. Yep. Oh, Brent's going to hit you with this, Jess. Who's going to win the NFL? MVP? I honestly don't know, but I, 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 I truly, and I'm not just saying this to spite people. I don't think you can give it to Brock Purdy. I just, you have, he has so much <laughs> around him in Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel that I don't understand. And, and, you know, Trent Williams. And again, when, when those guys were injured, that's when San Francisco went on their three game losing skid. And so I just, you know, everyone has bad games. I get that. But I honestly can't tell you who I think if if Tyreek gets two thousand yards, I think you should give it to Tyreek. Like I, I don't know who the NFL MVP is. Um, I'm gonna go with Brock Purdy's vote. He said CMC. It's Christian McCaffrey, right? Like I, I think it's Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill, personally. I, Jalen Hurts eliminated himself last night. That he is he's been exposed for the fraud that he is because the guys around him <laughs> have not been playing at the same level that they played. And I love you know, how they're like, Oh, part of this you year. Know, Jalen's not feeling well. He didn't know if he was going to play. <laughs> now oh, you don't okay. understand football. That's Jesse. all right. That's all right. I just, you know, Brock Purdy's playing well. I just don't think he's the MVP quarterback. If you put him on the Houston Texans, I don't think he performs as well as CJ Stroud has been performing this year. And that's just my honest opinion. I think Brock Purdy has done what he's been asked to do, but he's That's what got, I mean. He's got a, a, like of any of the guys being talked about as the candidates, he definitely has more talent around him than any. I mean, he's got Debo Sandal, Samuel, he's got Christian McCaffrey, and George he's got Kittle, George Kittle, Trip Williams, and, IU, well, it, like even just players. even just even even just those three are better than anybody else's three in the NFL right now yeah. the only one close is maybe Mostert, waddle and hill down in miami yeah when they're all healthy right right now you got to watch the all 22 nfl mvp td4nd i agree it's taylor swift no <laughs> doubt like taking the chiefs down single-handedly yeah <laughs> like if, if you're if you're not a chiefs fan she's definitely the mvp td also wanted to know how the muffin mcgraw statue unveiling was we didn't get a chance to talk about the, that yesterday we were because we had so much other stuff come up, but it was pretty cool. It was, uh, I think, one of the really cool aspects of the statue. One, it's got kind of that stern, you know, Muffet look on her face like you were always used to seeing on TV. I don't know if you've seen the close-ups or not, but Sarah Liebscher, who was was up there, I think it was her doing the, it was either her or Molly Pyrick said that um, the look on her face was uh, was like, it was basically the exact look that Muffet had so many times on the bench. And she said, like, she could feel her kind of looking over at the bench going, huh, this is what we've got, huh? <laughs> you know, that kind, of, <laughs> that kind of thing. So uh, they captured the look on her face. I thought that was, you know, really good. And the, the little touch that they did is the base of the statue. There are all these little shamrocks in the base of the statue. And there is one shamrock for every player who played for Muffet as head coach at Notre Dame. So there's a shamrock representing every player that she had at Notre Dame. So I thought that was a really cool touch that uh, that they added to that. And then, of course, Matt McGraw, her husband, with the you know finishing touch, put the green scarf around her you know, on, on the statue. 
So that was cool too. Uh, we started this thing off. Jesse wasn't quite here oh. yet. Salty wanted to know if you could whiteboard the successful offensive plays from the Cowboys Bills game. You won't need Man. one whiteboard if even that. <laughs> There was neither quarterback had a passing day, man. The entire game revolved around one person, and that was James Cook. And listen, I like that game. Yeah, am I happy with it? No, but I like sometimes I think we get so caught up of being this team is that or this team sucks or this team is blah blah blah. Why can't we just give credit to the Bills for executing to me a, a beautiful game plan? You know, everyone knew that the Cowboys' run defense is the, is the biggest weakness, and then you take out. You know, they're starting defensive tackle, and, and when they're starting a rookie, Mozzie Smith, at, at nose tackle, and, and then, you know, you're running at him, you're running at him, and then if, if, if the Cowboys want to play so much man like they do, they allow James Cook to work one-on-one -on -one with linebackers. And so I, I'm, I'm mad that the Cowboys didn't have a response, but you have to give credit to Buffalo for having a game plan and executing it. And I think that's really all that happened on Sunday. And the other thing look, is – I can, I, can, I can settle this in – much, much fewer words. This season is going to end like every other Cowboys season has ended. There's just that's 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 where we are. This is lather rinse repeat. It's mm. it's not going to end up in a Super Bowl. It's going to end up with a loss someplace on the road. Um, BJ apparently just getting here. We did talk about Lauren Landau being hired as Notre Dame's new uh, strength and performance coach. We touched on that. A little bit ago, um, there was another comment. Brent wants to go back 30 years, or not quite 30, but 25 years, and talk about Kurt Warner having Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, and Tory Holt around him. Uh, three, three great players. There's no doubt about that. And Warner did end up being the MVP. That offense was a little, was a little different, though. Kurt Warner was doing different things. Then, um, then Kurt Warner was doing different things than Brock Purdy is being asked to do right now. There was there was there was a, a lot less game managing and a lot more. Let's put this game on Kurt Warner's arms because or arm because he has some guys to throw to. And let's remember where did Kurt Warner come from? I mean, he came from the freaking Arena League and he came in and just lit the world on fire. In one year. That's right, DK. Kurt Warner did bag groceries before that. Okay, Brent's back down a little bit. He says he apologizes for the football. You're completely understand football. But if Purdy continues to uh, dive up the Baltimore D, he's winning the MVP. Well, I would still give it to, uh, to CMC myself. You know, I just don't see – and every I, there was a, a popular – conversation going on about tom brady and, and that he was the check down machine well, well tom brady was making audibles based off of what he was reading in the defenses you know it, brock purdy is running what kyle shanahan is force feeding him spoon feeding him into his mouth i don't think kyle shanahan trusts you know brock purdy as much as as tom brady was trusted at the line of scrimmage audibling setting you know everything else that's going on and that's why i have felt that Dak's game has been more impressive this season because he is the one calling the shots at the at the line of scrimmage based off of what he sees, and he's getting in to the matchup that he wants. I don't think Brock Purdy does as much of that. I think he's doing exactly what he's told to do. I'm happy with how um, with how Dak has performed this year. I, you know, like if he had Christian McCaffrey, 
and a George Kittle to go along with CD Lamb, I think that offense would look a lot different than what it looks like even right. you know right now with 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 what it's been doing. That's 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 all I'm saying. It's you know like Kyle Shanahan is a hell of a coach and they've got a lot of good talent out there around him. And they're a physical football team. Like, like that's what that's I the wish other thing. They set the what I wish Dallas was, but they're not. They're not a physical enough football team. So all right. That's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate everybody being here today. We started off with uh, some practice report, talked a little offensive coordinator. And again, the uh, the breaking news of the day, because you can't go a day without breaking news, Lauren Landau is the new strength and performance coach for Notre Dame. So that problem is solved. They have got it. And uh, we will <clears throat> see kind of what that looks like going forward. Um Tomorrow is signing day. Early signing day starts tomorrow. And I know Brian and Ryan are going to, they've got kind of a marathon thing scheduled. They're going to have a lot of guests on the show. So uh, obviously be tuning in for that. And then we'll be back afterwards with a mailbag show as well to talk more football. So if you want to talk whole game, offensive coordinator, all that stuff, we'll be doing that tomorrow on our show. Brian and Ryan will be doing the recruiting thing with a lot of different signees and, and families and parents and all that kind of stuff during the day. Jess, I know you've had a busy day at work, so thanks for coming in. TD4ND, thank you. I gotta go make some final cookies now. Yes. Hit the like button and of course subscribe, rate, and review and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.